Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hello, my self-lovers. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure that you're giving yourself the gift of self-love. Now, if you don't know what the gift of self-love is, it's a workbook that will help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to finally love yourself. And it's now available in stores and online worldwide. Oh my goodness, I've been waiting to say that because I've been working on this book for years. I poured my heart and soul into it, compiling everything that I teach at my retreats and putting it into this heartfelt, relatable, and actionable workbook for you. The cool thing is this book is a combination of me sharing my life story and everything that's helped me on this self-love journey, including body acceptance, and it's a workbook that you can actually write in. So every single thing that I share, you can put into practice right away. There are quizzes, journal prompts, self-reflection exercises, self-love challenges, all of which will help you with body image, confidence, self-worth, and self-love. I'm holding it right here. It's right in front of me and it's absolutely gorgeous. Not to toot my own horn or anything, but we've nailed the design on this one. It makes such a wonderful gift both for yourself and for your loved ones. Perhaps you have a friend that could really use this message and that, you know, needs a little push, loving push in the right direction. And I think that this book is just a great gift. Hence, the gift of self-love. So if you haven't gotten it yet, you can get it today by going to maryscupoftea.com slash book. I'm certain that the tools I share in this book will change your life as much as they've changed mine. So again, that's maryscupoftea.com slash book and give yourself the gift of self-love. Hello, my self-lovers. Welcome to another episode of the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. Today, I'm recording a solo episode and sharing with you five mantras that have helped me get through some of the hardest times in my life. And I wanted to pass them on to you and hopefully they can help you too. Before we get into that, I just want to acknowledge that mantras are sacred to Hindu and Buddhist cultures. And the way that we use the word mantra today is not how it was originally used. A mantra is actually a sound, a word, or a phrase that's usually repeated during meditation in order to aid in concentration and take you beyond the mind and into spiritual transcendental arenas. And with that being said, mantras are sacred and they're said to possess magical powers. So even though now the word mantra is kind of used interchangeably with quotation or affirmation, I want to acknowledge that the true meaning and origins behind this is very sacred to Hindu and Buddhist culture. Also, in Hindu and Buddhist culture, a mantra is actually usually not a word or a phrase. It's actually a sound. And the reason for that, if you've ever studied meditation, specifically transcendental meditation, students of transcendental meditation will get a mantra 
it's not like a word that you repeat to yourself. It's rather a combination of phonetics and sounds. And the reason why they don't give you a specific word or quote is because your mind starts fixating too much on the words and they actually use it to get you again beyond the mind and into that meditative, blissful enlightenment state. So I only know this not because I'm a avid practitioner, but because my mom is. And this is what she explained to me. And I thought it was really interesting. And I wanted us to do our part in making sure that we understand and respect and celebrate the ancient cultures and traditions that these words that we use so nonchalantly today, like where they actually came from. I think it's important to know the roots. With that being said, I went back and forth for a while about, do I call this five mantras for hard times or five affirmations or five quotes? And for some reason, the word quotes felt a little too basic. And if you've listened to this podcast episode, you know that I am not a fan of affirmations. I talk about why in my book. I just don't believe that they work because affirmations to me signify that your statement has to be positive and that creates a lot of cognitive dissonance in the brain. Again, I go into that in a different episode. It's literally titled Why Affirmations Don't Work. And mantra just felt like something that's been a part of my vocabulary for a while. And again, I am feeling a little unsure because I don't want to be culturally appropriating that word, but also because of the healing powers behind it, I feel like it's the one that's most authentic to me. So I hope I'm not making a mistake here, but just explaining my reasoning And furthermore, if you break down the word mantra in Sanskrit, manas means mind and tra means vehicle. So it's a vehicle of the mind or something that has the power to transport you beyond your thoughts. And when I read this breakdown and this definition of the word mantra, it felt even more right to use it because These phrases that I repeat to myself during the most difficult times in my life, they do exactly that. They help me get out of my body and out of my mind and into that spiritual divine connection. I've always been a pretty spiritual person, although I don't talk about it much on social media because I feel like spirituality and the new age world And the yoga world, again, it's a lot of like cultural appropriation and just a lot of things that don't feel right to me. So I never want to make it seem like I'm that person. But there is a part of me that has always felt just really connected to some sort of higher power, whether it's our higher selves or the universe or our subconscious or God or creator or source energy whatever you want to call it and whatever you believe in, that is wonderful. But I am in the whole, I don't know, universe, I guess, feeling connected to the universe type of person. And I believe that as long as we are educating ourselves and respecting, appreciating, and celebrating ancient cultures and the origins and and roots of these practices, then Hopefully, it's okay to use the word mantra in this context. 
So again, mantras have these healing powers when used intentionally. And the way I think about intention is intention is where I put my attention. And where attention goes is where energy flows. So when you have a mantra in your head and you repeat it to yourself constantly, there comes a point where you no longer have to repeat it to yourself like consciously, because it is so ingrained in your subconscious that it becomes your permanent state of being. I feel like I just (laughs) said something super duper out there, but you know how it's just like anything you believe. Sometimes you don't have to be actively believing it, but it's still kind of like passively in the back of your mind because you've been believing it for so long, again, whether that's positive or negative, whether it's a religious belief or your philosophical beliefs or just the way you live your life, most of the stuff happens in the background. And the cool thing about mantras is, again, you put an intention behind it, you repeat them for a certain amount of time, they get you through those hard times. And over time, because where attention goes, energy flows, and you have that intention, and intention is where you put your attention, sooner or later, you won't have to be so diligent about repeating these statements to yourself because they will just subconsciously be simmering in the background. So here are five mantras that have gotten me through some of the hardest times of my life. And I want to start with one that was big for me and my recovery from my eating disorder. And the phrase that I just kept on repeating to myself, and again, now I just kind of find it playing in the background of my mind. And this phrase or quote is, this too shall pass. I thought about tattooing this somewhere on my body, but I don't even feel the need to because I just feel like it's so ingrained in my soul that it doesn't even need to be on my body. But this too shall pass to me is not necessarily just for getting through hard times, but also to feel grateful for the good times. So even when I'm in like a happy, blissful, joyful state and everything seems to be going good, Occasionally, I'll pop in to remind myself that, hey, this too shall pass. And that is the beauty of life, that there's this contrast that everything is transient in nature. Now I'm getting all Taoist on you, where we're believing in the flow of the universe and how everything is seasonal, everything is constantly changing. The only constant in life is change. And so when you say to yourself, this too shall pass, you remind yourself that the bad times are going to pass and you will be okay. And also that the good times won't be here forever. So savor the moment, be in it, enjoy it, tune into it, and don't let it pass you by too quickly because in retrospect, everything passes us by pretty quickly. So again, this too shall pass. It's not just for getting yourself through hard times. It's also about reminding yourself to just be present and grateful in those good times too. And all of it is a part of the journey. Mantra number two, I suppose this is more of a mindset and not a mantra, but because I've said it to myself in this particular way so many times, it's kind of become a mantra for me. But what I say to myself is, Nothing happens to me. Everything happens for me. So I 
probably five years ago, I made a commitment to myself that I will never, ever, ever look up at the sky and say, why me? Why is this happening to me? And the reason why I don't say that to myself or don't ask the universe, why is this happening to me, is because I choose to believe that everything happens for me. Now, is that the truth? Maybe. I don't know. But it is my truth and it is something that is very helpful and supportive to me because it makes me feel a little bit more in charge of my destiny as opposed to victim to my circumstances. I know that in this day and age, this is a very controversial mindset because, again, this is some of the like spiritual new age stuff that I don't necessarily agree with, but that world will kind of tell you that manifest and love attraction and you are what you think about or that kind of stuff. And I do believe in certain aspects of that. But as I've grown and as I've been more educated on social justice and how not all of us have the same rights and privileges and liberties that other people do, we know for a fact that there are marginalized communities and people who are just born into shitty fucking circumstances that can't law of attraction their way out of tragedy and trauma. And I think it's very insensitive to be speaking that way all of the time. However, we're all given a certain shot. Again, we're not given an equal shot. There is not much equity in society. And that is incredibly important to acknowledge and fight against. And we are all dealt a certain hand of cards. And that hand of cards has privileges and disadvantages and struggles and personalities and mindsets and beliefs and and traumas and parents and everything that contributes to who we are as a person and certain events that are, of course, definitely outside of our control. But the follow-up to that is, what do we choose to do with that hand of cards? What are we going to make of that? And we all have some level of choice. I'm clearly hesitating here and choosing my words carefully because, again, I don't want it to seem like I'm blaming you for where you're at in life. It's more about what do we choose to do with that hand that we're dealt? And most importantly, what do we choose to believe about that hand that we're dealt? So if you believe that, woe is me, this is happening to me, everything sucks, nothing ever goes my way, I'm just in this shitty circumstance and I can't do anything about it, then of course you're going to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. But maybe if you choose to believe that this is somehow forwarding you, even though it is much more difficult to believe that when you really are in a shitty fucking circumstance outside of your control... But if you could just muster up that willpower and that courage and and that mindset to be like, okay, what is this teaching me right now? How can this be part of something bigger and greater and gooder? Gooder is not a word, but it felt right in that moment. But how can I see this as happening for me and not to me? And I think that's a very important mindset to establish wherever you're at in your journey, because Again, that puts you in the driver's seat in control of your own life so that you're not feeling like you're victim to your circumstances, even though at some points 
especially marginalized folks are. So all of that to say, there's also something really interesting that's been discovered by a behavioral economist named Malcolm Gladwell. If you know me personally, you know that I worship the ground that man walks on. He is the reason why I have a degree in economics. I've read all his books multiple times. I listened to his lectures in my free time. I actually ran into him at a cafe once and I totally freaked out and started bawling my eyes out. And he's this shy, like introverted, nerdy economist. And he was totally taken off guard and was like, why is this weird girl crying to me? But I bought him a cup of coffee and we took a selfie and it was amazing. (laughs) So anyways, he wrote this book called David and the Goliath. And if you're Christian, you know the story of David and the Goliath, how David was a lot smaller than this big giant he had to fight. But because of his smallness, because of his like petiteness compared to the giant Goliath, he quickly maneuvered himself and actually beat this guy in a, I don't know what it was, a battle, I suppose. He knew how to like swing the rock and hit him in the eye. And then the giant fell and the giant was like so big, he couldn't get up fast enough. So then David, like he won that battle totally butchering the story. But the point is that sometimes the small guy wins because being small has a certain set of advantages, just like in, I don't know, wrestling or football, right? Like if you watch football, sometimes there's the small guy that just like zips himself through it and wins. And it will be the thing that you least expect that will provide an advantage to you. And that's what Malcolm Gladwell researched in this book is based on this metaphor of the story of David and the Goliath. How can our disadvantages actually become our advantages? Another story he told, and it's been a while since I read the book, so I'm totally butchering the facts here, but I remember the gist of it because it really landed with me. It's a story about what Malcolm Gladwell calls desirable difficulties. And desirable difficulties are things that are your disadvantage, things that do not work in your favor. But because you're dealt the set of difficulties, you are forced to work a little bit harder just to catch up to everybody else. But then you'll find that because you're so good at working harder, you actually get ahead. So it was because of that desirable difficulty that propelled you forward. Some basic examples are when you grew up working right as you turned 14 or 16 or whenever you started to work, if your parents were not well off and and couldn't afford certain things and you had to go get a job, that actually developed a certain skill set in you and it taught you valuable things about life and taught you how to take care of yourself and make your own money and, and work hard and help out the family. And although, you know, it sucks to be a kid working and trying to put yourself through school and on top of whatever else is going on in your household, certain things that sucked in the moment ended up being in our favor. And one of the stories Gladwell tells is about a person who struggled with dyslexia and barely had passed high school and had to get a job as a construction worker and couldn't really do anything academic because this person couldn't read. 
or they could read, but it made it really difficult. And it wasn't until he got married and his wife got pregnant and he knew he needed some sort of profession. And he decided to go back to school, a small college in his hometown. And the reason for that is because he couldn't get into anywhere else that was bigger or more lucrative. So he went to this small college and then applied for law school. And back then you could apply for law school before even finishing undergrad. And somehow he got into law school. And in law school, he actually ended up excelling despite his dyslexia because he learned other methods of learning. For example, his listening skills were extra sharp. So while everybody else was like furiously writing down notes and not really paying attention to what the professor is saying because they were trying to listen and write. This guy was fully present and in tune and developed this really great auditory memory that just allowed him to absorb all of this information and retain it. And it, again, it was because he struggled so much in grade school with dyslexia that he had to find another way around it. And he actually ended up excelling in law school and transferring to Yale and becoming a really, really successful lawyer, again, despite the learning disability. And some could argue maybe because of the learning disability, it actually gave him that kick where he was struggling his whole life just to just to catch up to his peers and just to stay afloat. And as a result, that kick turned into this, this propeller for him and, and his career. So I was really inspired by that story. I know I just went off on a tangent and I was trying to make this episode short of just mantras that really changed my life. But I always keep this in mind when thinking about how Things are happening for me, not to me. And even if they're shitty things, maybe one day this will be something that I am very grateful for, even if I don't fully feel that in the moment. As I said that, I realized that I guess my eating disorder could be one of those examples because I struggled half my life with disordered eating and an eating disorder, and it caused just so many problems in my life. But then when I started sharing that story and opening up about it and healing openly and publicly, it actually turned into one of the best things of my life, which is connection with you and my career and retreats and and so many things that I'm doing now and just growth as a person too. Like I feel so much more aware and, and conscious and I don't know, just really in tune with myself and the world around me because of the struggles I went through, not despite them. You know what I mean? So remember, everything is happening for you, not to you. Mantra number three that has been really helpful for me is telling myself that my energy is a choice. How I choose to show up in this world is 100% my choice. I can always choose to be kinder than I feel. I can always choose to hype myself up and show up fully and be present and connect deeply. Or I can choose to sulk and be sad and pity myself and be tired and fatigued. And I'm not saying that either one of those are better or worse because there's a time and a place for both. But Ultimately, I get to choose. 
Of course, caveat here that this does not apply to depression and anxiety because often that is a literal chemical imbalance in the brain. And if you don't have help regulating that, whether through medication or therapy or support or just understanding yourself better to give yourself compassion when you are in those deep, dark times and learning to live with that, then definitely please get professional help for that. But I'm talking about when we have gotten help and when we feel like we're aware of certain patterns, then again, what is the follow-up? What are you choosing to do with the set of cards that you have. And I remind myself that my energy is a choice on those days when I don't feel like showing up, when I don't feel like getting on a call. And I tell myself like, look, Mary, you can do anything for one hour. You can show up, you can smile, you can exude good energy, even if you don't feel that great. And the funny thing that happens is that when I show up with that mindset, I actually end up getting energized from that thing I originally said I didn't want to do, whether it's picking up dog shit or getting on a call or doing work that I don't really feel passionate about. Because as a business owner, there's a lot of things that we do that aren't glamorous or sexy or fun. And I can imagine that not every aspect of your life is all that fun either, whether you're in school or juggling jobs or in between career paths, trying to figure out where you're at in life or struggling with a relationship or your relationship with food and your body, wherever you're at in life, there's a lot of things we do that aren't always sexy. And we just have to do them and we have to deal with that. But the way we show up to those things, your energy that you bring to that, it is a choice. And you can choose something different than, this sucks. I don't want to do this. That is heavy. That is making your life a lot more difficult than it needs to be. And this is not me telling you to think positive. (laughs) Truly, I am not all about that toxic positivity. I'm more so about, okay, I get to do this because it's going to ultimately forward my career or it's going to pay off in some way or having this difficult conversation is necessary for the growth of my relationship. And I'm going to be fully present in that even if even when, and especially when it's uncomfortable. And that kind of energy, that kind of mindset is a choice. So again, I hope this resonates for you. I know that with my podcast in general, and so many things that we talk about, I always want to make it clear that it's not black and white. And we don't do extremes in here. We more so dive into the nuances. So you'll see me using a lot of language like both and like you can be both struggling with a mental illness and can't get out of bed in the morning and recognize that your energy is a choice and you can do the best you can with what you have and what you know. And I believe that so many things coexist and those things that were so resistant to coexisting and we want this black and white solution to it and we want to put labels and we want to judge and we want to have all that shit figured out. Oftentimes, the biggest thing that we can do for ourselves is being okay with living in that gray and being okay being in a constant state of evolution and learning and 
all the verbs that end with ing as opposed to the past of like, I figured everything out and now I can live my life perfectly because that's not realistic. There are so many things that are self-contradictory in nature and so many things that it's just both and. Like there's both shitty things, social justice concerns, fucking sexism and racism and inequality and inequity and underprivileged communities and poverty and just so, so much fucking shit. And I can choose to show up with different energy. I can choose to believe that things happen for me. I can choose to spread love while fighting for social justice. So I think I am trying to create a place both on this podcast and for my own personal growth. I am trying to be okay with believing in both as opposed to being so black and white about things. This has been a long journey because like I said, I used to be very into one community, which was fitness. And then I got really into the yoga, spiritual, new age community. And then I got super deep in the body positivity, anti-diet community. And it felt like all of these communities had just very strict, rigid set of rules and things we believe. And if you don't believe this, then you suck. And there was no space for the in-between and the gray and the nuances and the, I don't know, just, just trying to accept ourselves and our lives for the walking, talking contradictions that we are. So yeah, you can kind of hear me processing as I'm recording and I hope it opens up some of your own processing too. Okay. Mantra number four, this was a big one for healing from an eating disorder and cultivating body acceptance. My weight does not determine my worth. My weight does not determine my worth. Very rarely will I phrase a mantra in the negative. I think things are more powerful when phrased in the affirmative, kind of like affirmations. So I like to either do like more of a neutral or a positive statement. So even though this one is a negative, I feel like it just makes sense. And I couldn't figure out how to redo it. And because of where I was at in my life, this just served me and it continues to serve me. I repeat to myself that my weight does not determine my worth. Anytime I I find myself getting really fixated on my weight or my body or what it looks like or what I'm wearing or all of those things, maybe it should be my appearance does not determine my worth because we are so much more than that as human beings. And lastly, this extension of Mantra number four, my weight does not determine my worth. Mantra number five is, I am not my body. I am not my mind. So again, this is going into the spiritual esoteric realm and recognizing that our worth and who we are as not just individuals, but just souls floating around on this planet and this weird thing called life We are not our bodies. We are not our minds. You are not what you look like. And you're also not what you think. Of course, what you think and how you talk to yourself is going to shape the reality that you're experiencing here on planet Earth. But beyond that, you're also not your mind. You're also not going to be in this human experience forever. And with that being said, I 
I'm a believer in reincarnation and all that, that kind of stuff. And I believe that our minds are also temporary and the thoughts we think within those minds are temporary. And sometimes when I just feel very caught up in my thoughts and the negativity and just the humanness of it all, I try to remind myself that I'm actually just this particle (laughs) and I didn't choose to be here and I don't really know what's going on. And most people don't either as much as we like to pretend that we do. With that being said, I am not my body. I am not my mind just brings a lot of peace and solitude and security into that otherworldly kind of experience. I hope that makes sense. I feel like I said a bunch of out there things in this podcast episode and I didn't plan it to be that way, but I guess that's just what downloaded when I started recording. So I'm going to trust that you are taking the pieces and parts of this episode that are resonating with you and that you feel like are really serving you in this moment and discarding the rest. And if you did enjoy this episode, or if there's a certain mantra that particularly resonated with you, I would love to know which one that is. Just tag me in your Instagram stories at Mary's Cup of Tea or at Mary's Podcast. And I will talk to you in the next episode. Love you. Bye. One last thing before we farewell, if you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, we would greatly appreciate if you could leave a short review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Your feedback helps the show so, so much. I absolutely love hearing from you. And as somebody whose love language is words of affirmation, your words mean the world to me. Just go to the Apple Podcasts app and scroll all the way down until you see the review section. And from there, you can just tap the star thing and leave your own review. Thank you so much for supporting me and this greater message of self-love for all. Also, feel free to send this episode to a friend and spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, make sure you pick up my book, which is available in stores and online worldwide. Just head to maryscupoftea.com slash book, and you'll find all the links to give yourself the gift of self-love. I love you all so, so much, and I will talk to you next time. Mwah.